This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time to step up to the plate with Jim, Steve, Fish, and former two-time Gold Glover World Series champion, Benji Molina. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Right, Jordan! Smith courts one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. I pop off. The Clover's there. The Cardinals won the pennant. The Cardinals won the pennant. The Cardinals won the pennant. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Swing and a miss. The Cardinals are world champions for 2006. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Bow Ties and Bullshit, where analytics meet the eye test. Uh, you know, a little spin-off from my favorite uh, 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 offering of Two Birds on a Bat that I do with my friend Benji Molina on Mondays and Thursdays. I look forward to this Wednesday show as I bring in what I call a panel of experts. You may call them a panel of something else. And I'm sure all three members of my panel don't really care what you call them as long as you don't call them late to dinner. So i uh, happy to have them all as they offer a different view and a different take uh, that really just sparks conversation. In the, at the end of the day, if you think any of us four are experts, then you need to have your head examined. So uh, that being said, uh, I thank everyone for joining us. Uh, enjoy doing this show. Uh, always coming to you from the Patio Studios, the original party place for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. I'm looking forward to opening day where I can meet uh, all my friends at Patios and have a few uh, libations, if you will. Uh, followed up by opening day, which is a national holiday here in St. Louis, if you can have such a thing. So I'm excited about that. Excited about our winner, Mojo Kiss, on uh, Twitter, joining us for opening day. Congratulations to them once again for winning the opening day ticket contest. Compliments of our friends at uh, lineupmedia.fm, home of Yo Radio, uh, the newest streaming platform available for download for free on your mobile device. We want to thank them for the tickets. We want to thank Mojo Kiss and all the entry uh, entrants for uh, their participation in the contest and, and, and their willingness to help us get our message out as well. So thanks to them. Thanks to Randy Green with InnovativeCompanies.com. Just uh, spent some time with Randy yesterday on a construction site. I tell you, he truly is uh, a, a working man. Let me tell you, the whole time I was there letting him know he'd be going with me to opening day, uh, he was working the whole time. So he's definitely the type of guy you want on your side if you need work done, residential, commercial, industrial. Uh, I got a first-hand look at the construction team yesterday, but if you need heating and cooling or electric as well, they are ready to go and at your disposal. That's Randy Green, my friend and yours, with InnovativeCompanies.com. Well, I got a lot of friends, thank goodness, and it's uh, one of the things that I like most uh, about my life is that I, I have a lot of people that I call friend. Um, this gentleman is a, is what I would call a newer friend that I just met last year, and I'm so glad that I did. I followed him on his social media stuff as I was really impressed with the work that he does, I love the passion that he brings. I love how he, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously, nor does he take any of this too seriously. He just has fun with it, 
But he does so in what I would call a very informed and intellectual fashion, if you want to use that term for this gentleman. A lot of you guys out there may not use that. You may have other terms, and maybe he can shed some light on those terms. Let's welcome in everybody's favorite, uh, Kyle Reese. What's going on, buddy? Hello, sir. How are you? Yeah, I mean, you've been described many things. I don't. Has intellectual ever been one of them? I'm just curious. No, see, the words that are that, that like, smart, I don't even hear. So if, if I have been described as intellectual in the past, it just went right over my head. Well, I think you are. So that's what I'm going to start calling you, the intellectual one. How about that? I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure that's a very fun or sexy nickname. So we maybe we'll figure out something else. But until that time, um, you know, it's opening day here, bud. And we've, you know, spent the off season looking at, I'm not going to say the highs and lows of an off season because it, in the end, we've seen teams win the off season and not do shit in the regular season. We've seen teams that everybody thinks there's no, you know, they did nothing and then contend. We've seen, you know, I, I've seen a lot of weird things going on in baseball the last few years. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying it's a product of the new analytical age. But that being said, there's some weird shit going on out here. And I got to ask some questions. So today, obviously, we're going to start with our own St. Louis Cardinals. And then I'm sure we can get into uh, a couple other things that I got to ask you about, but let's start with the St. Louis Cardinals and let's start with what matters to all of us in the end. And that is, you know, I guess as we have officially broken camp, uh, my guess is they're in Milwaukee as we speak on this Wednesday, preparing for tomorrow. And I'm sure they are. Um, we have a 25 man roster. Now we have a 25 man roster with a couple notable guys on the DL. So we know it will change eventually. But as far as this 25-man roster, are, are, are you comfortable with it? Or question marks, um, you know, things you were glad have? I mean, where are you at on the current state of the Cardinals as we break camp? I feel like this group of 25 is better than the group of 25 we've had in a couple of years. And that's not just because of uh, a Paul Goldschmidt. I, I just I like this group. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to hedge my bets and be a little less optimistic than some other people. But, you know, that being said, I definitely like the group, and we know that the Cardinals have accomplished their goal of fielding a competitive 25. I, I'm going to be really interested to see what it looks like here in a couple weeks, uh, how reactionary they get if they struggle with lefties and, you know, in the bullpen, uh, with only bringing Andrew Miller north with the team. Anxious to see how that all goes. Anxious to see what happens when Dedrick is healthy. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. I'm excited about it. And, uh, they, they definitely have a team that could compete for an NL central title ahead of them. Uh, I, I will say real fast. The one thing that really does, when we started doing these off season pods, you know, we were talking about the bullpen and I was very much against adding to the bullpen. Like I, I thought, you know what, you don't really need to do very much. You definitely need to address the left side. Uh, but I didn't think you needed to address the right side. I look at the right side of the bullpen right now, and I, I like what they have, but I, I was also operating like under the thought that, you know, maybe Daniel Ponce de Leon could supplement the bullpen, and that still probably is going to happen. I just look at, like, I see that, like, combo of Leon, who had a good spring, and I like, and his cut, you know, his cutter is lively, and, uh, and, and Mr. Meyer, who is a very good pitcher whose curveball looks like it's really taking a step forward and even John Gann out of the bullpen a little bit and it does make me wish maybe a little bit more than than I thought I would that there was maybe one other addition uh but other than that like sure let's roll and let's see what it looks 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. So the last three years, I mean, it's it the bullpen takes a beating, right? I mean, it it right. just listen. The bullpen takes a beating because it's so easy to say, well, there's your problem, right? I mean, you have a lead, or you're in a one run game, or you're tied, and then the bullpen bullpen guy comes in and he gives it up, right? So it's real easy to point fingers at the bullpen. Um, I would say. I am probably more optimistic with this group than I have been in the past. I mean, there have been guys that have been in that bullpen in the past that I've like just scratched my head and said, really? Uh, I don't really have that with this group currently. I'm not the biggest, like, it's hard for me to argue against the success that a couple of guys have had at times that are currently in this bullpen, even though I don't like them very much. And that's just a personal, like, like when I watch them, like, there are guys that I've watched over the years that I, I just can't figure out how they get people out. And that's the, that's the, the eye, the eye test baseball side of me. Like when Ryan Franklin was closing games for the Cardinals, I couldn't figure out how he got people out. I don't know how Bud Norris got people out last year. I, 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 I don't know how big leaguers swing and miss at pitches that are, I'm sorry, pretty flat. I, I, I don't know if there's a little bit of – I mean, there's got to be some luck involved in pitching to some degree, right? Like, you never know what the hitter's thinking, what's what their approach. There's a mental game. We know Yachty's a big part of that. But there are certain guys that get people out, and I don't know how they do it. John Gant is one of those guys for me. Mike Myers is one of those guys for me. But at times, they've had some really good success. So I'm not just going to dismiss that. Because I don't like them. When you watch a John, uh, 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 or I'm sorry, a Jack Flaherty, when you watch a Jordan Hicks, when you watch a Dakota, even a Dakota Hudson, because I like the way he pitches in the bottom of the zone. You watch these other guys, the way they pitch, and you say, I understand how they get people out. But there's just certain pitchers, and it's not delegated to just the Cardinals. It's other things that, that you wonder, how the hell do they get people out? I, I don't know. I, so, But for the most part, if that's my only concern on this team or a couple of guys that – by the eye, I don't like them, but they've had some success. I, I, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with it, to be honest. And the whole left-handed bullpen thing, we talked about that. Would it make you feel all warm and fuzzy if there was another left-handed arm in the bullpen? It probably would. But but if that left-hander can't do his job, then who gives a shit? That's how I look yeah. at it. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Yeah, real fast, I haven't had time to really pay attention to uh, uh, Twitter or the news world. Has there been any update on what if Chase and Shreve has passed their waivers or if they managed to trade him or if another team claimed him? We're at about a week for that. And is, has there been any update? I've seen nothing. Now, to be frank, yeah. I paid attention to nothing. Um, yeah. I've well, what I mean by that is, is I've like I was probably as happy as anybody that he was released. Um, you know, I, I mean, the only people not really happy about it, I'm assuming, are the. Um, the people that are, I think some people like wanted him to make the team so that they could justify trading uh, Luke Voigt, who, you know, I, that trade for me at this moment in time is comparable to me to other trades that have been made where guys have really not done much um, in your uniform. And then you trade them and they go somewhere else and they have some success and then you get all bent out of shape. But I, I, I like, there's no way that you could convince me that I would rather have Luke Voigt playing first base than Paul Goldschmidt. I'm sorry, there's not. And he, I mean, 
I also, I, I wouldn't rather have him on the bench than Jose Martinez. I, I understand yeah. he's had some success, but let's be realistic about this. I believe part of the reason was he was going to be out of options. Um, he was going to have to be at, you know, he was taking up a 40-man roster spot, and it just wasn't a position that you were going to allow a spot for in that. I mean, it's now, uh, will he hit 30 home runs for the Yankee? I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't bet on that. If he does, I'm happy for the guy, right? And, yeah. boy, he sure seems to have, have figured out. Now, I, I will say this. There's lots of players in history that have been adequate at best in one uniform, and then a trade makes a big difference in their future. Sometimes it's a, like, man, I got to get with it here. I mean, once you get traded, there's a variety of reasons. And it isn't like I got traded in a deal where somebody, like, come and got me. I mean, they basically gave up nothing for me. So cutting me is no big deal. I mean, yeah, and you know, there's, there's a triple A incentive too. you know, Luke, Luke Boyd played really well at the major league level for the Cardinals. And then he gets sent down and then, and you know, he, he ends up losing a little bit of his success as a member of the Cardinals because he's not getting a lot of at bats and they're coming infrequently. goes down to triple A. He's quite fine. Kind of gets buried in triple A and sure. he might've just, sniffed, he might've just sniffed out enough of that, like, man, I don't ever want to be sent back down to AAA, and he might have just worked hard or figured out whatever it was that that catapulted him to his next level of talent. He he was always a really good hitter, always had a really good approach, and he, he could always barrel a baseball. It was just a matter of if the opportunity would present itself, and sometimes that's how it works out. Well, one thing I want to say, and this is this is where I get stuck on trades, right? I, I view the whole trade discussion about winners or losers of a trade as like the ultimate water cooler discussion. It it fun it kills time but it's really pointless I, I, we have a tendency with with trade winners and losers to want to do it in hindsight and i have a very rudimentary very uh uh i guess somewhat naive way of looking at trades when they're done does it benefit both teams from a depth standpoint or depending on what piece is getting traded and to your point with luke Boyd, the cardinals have a redundancy of first baseman in the organization i think you could also argue that while trading Luke Boyd, even though he blew up in New York, you still have Reinhold Ravello and some other first basemen that are really interesting that you might not really lose any of that. But the Cardinals needed relief help. Uh, they needed it from the left-handed side, and they needed it from the right-handed side. And they made a trade where they traded a redundancy for another redundancy, or a redundancy for an area that needed strengthening. Both teams did. And it was just a good baseball trade. And sure, we might be able to look back in six months, and Luke Boyd might be in an all-star game and think, man, Jason Shree's pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies. Or, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays and isn't doing anything. How, how do you make that trade? Well, you make the trade because at the time it was the right trade to make. Yeah, there's been trades from other St. Louis. I mean, you know, I could talk about the Blues. There's been some trades. And, you, know, you think about all these other guys. I mean, you make trades for a variety of reasons. You know, you, you have a need. The other team has a need. Sometimes you have a guy that's not getting an opportunity here. And it's real easy. I mean, I would say this. I look at a lot of the trades the St. Louis Cardinals have made over the years and very few times I – I've asked time and time again for that young player that we've traded away that has went somewhere and been dominant. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for it. I mean, I guess if you want to talk about recently, um, you know, if you, want to, if you want to bet the farm on Luke Voigt, go ahead. I mean, he's a great guy. I love the fact, the whole local connection. I love all that. I mean, I'm going to need to see him do it for a little while before I say, okay, there's one, right? Uh, the Tommy Pham thing's interesting. Um, you know, that might be one where we traded away a guy that's an awful good player. Steven Piscotty, same way. You know, I, 
those those are interesting to me. Those are a little bit different trades because those you know those two guys, you know they they had had some major league baseball success, not just oh, yeah. minor league success. I, you know I'm talking about guys that have pretty much dominated at the AAA level or been really good minor leaguers, and you know we've traded these guys away. You know you look at all the trades we've made in the past, and you know I've always said the best player that I'm aware of that we've ever traded away like in recent history is Placido Polanco. And, and yeah. other than that, I, you know, I, you know, I guess you could say Steve Carlton, obviously you could go back, but another, again, another guy that was established at the major league level. So was Placido Polanco. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know too many guys that we've traded away that were minor league guys that had success and had not had a lot of success in the big leagues that came back to burn us. And will this one, I, I don't know. It could, yeah. but I ask you as a St. Louis Cardinal fan and, and be honest with yourself. And, and I'll ask you this question. If the St. Louis Cardinals wouldn't have made that trade last year and then in the offseason said, we're going to hand this job to Luke Voigt, as opposed to going out and getting a Paul Goldschmidt and then signing him for six more years, would you have been happy with that? No, I would have been yelling no. for Josh Donaldson at third base and Matt Carpenter at first base. Sure. I mean, it's <laughs> you know, a proven commodity versus the maybe. And Luke Voigt is a maybe. Now, yeah. I, I, again, hope... For him, I mean, I hope for everybody. Great, go have a great career. It's awesome. Good for you. But you know, I, th- I think sometimes you got to be kind of realistic about these things. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, I, you're right. Last year, I, I would say this: the Shreve Voigt thing last year sure sounded like a deal that was a good idea that just didn't work. That's yeah. they happen. Yeah, and it could still it could still work out. I mean, it sounds crazy, but Jason Shreve could pass for waivers. He could find his way down to the minor leagues and end up being a, a valuable asset down the road. Giovanni Gallegos could end up being a valuable right-hander down the road. It's going to happen more than likely not on both of those cases. Uh, you know, it's funny, as you bring up the outfield situation, it's a perfect springboard to, like, get into our topic, for me at least. And, you know, talking about comparing this lineup you know, to like last year's lineup or, or why I might be uh, excited about this year's lineup as compared to last year's lineup. But it really is interesting when you think about it. You know, we're, we're jumping for joy about Paul Goldschmidt, and I love it. I'm excited. I love the contract. I'm glad we get to watch him for six more years. Uh, I just think, like, back to last year, and I think we forget this sometimes. You go back to last year, and the Cardinals had, quote-unquote, the best outfield in baseball and an MVP candidate in Tommy Pham. You know, everything looked like it was poised to break out. You could even argue that, the left side of the bullpen, too. You know, we were all very gung-ho on Tyler Lyons. Uh, sure. We, were very, we felt good about, you know, we felt good about the left-handed situation. We thought, all right, Brett Cecil's got it together. Uh, Brett Cecil's got it together, you know. Um, we, we felt good about it. We felt good about the bullpen. Uh, everything seemed to be like it was ready to go, and then it just it didn't necessarily work out. And we're going to find out exactly how that all adjusts this year, but you know, I think that we see Paul Goldschmidt and we think that that was the piece that we needed. And maybe if Tommy Sam would have performed as a Cardinal in 2018, like he did as a Cardinal in 2017, then, you know, the whole thing changes and the Cardinals are have a winning record uh, more than just one game over by the time Mike McDini gets fired. And, you know, maybe, maybe the entire story is different. But I just, I think that we're excited and I get it, but I think we've also forgotten exactly what the team looked like one year ago and why we were excited and thought that, they were definitely going to make it to the playoffs last year, and they didn't. So that's, I think that's why I'm a little bit more like I'm optimistic. I think it's a good team. I've I've been pretty vocal, especially on this show, about saying that I think it's an 88 floor win team. You know, like I, I don't think that they're going to lose. I don't think they're going to win less than like 86 or 88 games. Uh, but 
I, I don't know what it looks like from there, especially as not only the National League Central, but the National League has gotten more competitive with a lot of teams that are doing some interesting things to make their teams more competitive. So I, I think that I think the National League's more competitive. I think the NL Central's better than it was. And uh, I, I, I'm anxious to see how it all translates. Well, yeah, I'm with you on a lot of the stuff. As I look at the team itself, and the the you know, if you want to call it the starting eight, and then the bench, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, you can't even imagine in any any discussion that Dexter Fowler could have a worse season than he had last year. The problem yeah. is, is uh, as I say, there's no way his season could be worse than last year. <clears throat> the problem for the St. Louis Cardinals is if it's not a ton better. Is that really any good? And what I mean by that is for the St. Louis Cardinals thing to work here, he's got to get back to what we would call a good season for Dexter Fowler, not even a great season. I would take 260, 340 on base, 20 stolen bases, 15 homers. I would take it right now. Right now, if you told me that. And you would say, well, you know, you could you could take what's behind door number two and he could hit 280 and hit 18 homers and, you know, drive in some – nope. If you told me that that's what we were going to get, I'd take it. And the, the, see, here's the problem. Everybody thinks about how bad Dexter Fowler's season was last year, and then you start thinking to yourself, well, he's going to be better this year. Okay, that's fine. But think about this. Some guys stepped up in his absence last year, like Harrison Bader got a chance, right? And, and, he, did, and he did fine. Jose Martinez got a lot of those at-bats, and we all know that he had a, had a good offensive season. Tyler O'Neill got some opportunities and hit a few big home runs for the St. Louis Cardinals. My point, and Tommy Pham was here. So my point at this is, if you're going to replace all those at-bats that somebody else got in Dexter Fowler's place, well, I tell you that those at-bats at the end of the day were all pretty good. So now yeah. he's got to be good. you got to count on Harrison Bader being at least as good as he was last year, which I would say the jury's out. Um, we would love to believe Marcelo Zuna will be even better than he was last year, even though I would say he was average to a little above. So those are the things for me. And, and on the, but see, you pick up for it on the infield, in, in my opinion, because Paul Goldschmidt's a dude, okay? Um, I think Matt Carpenter, will be fine at, Matt Carpenter will be fine at third. The thing about Matt Carpenter is if I can avoid the two awful months, now chances are if I avoid the two awful months, what I also don't get is the six-week unbelievable surge, right? But if we get more consistency out of him and then you add another bat in the lineup like Paul Goldschmidt, see, that's where I think the team is better on a consistent basis. Now, you start adding in the other guys, right? Like, I I have no idea. Like, I would love to – like, I would have a conversation with anybody if they tried to tell me they knew what Colton Wong was going to do this year. I would love to have that conversation. I love having the conversations with all the people that are trying to tell me what Paul DeYoung's going to do this year. Yeah. You know, it's like I could at least buy in a little bit more to Paul DeYoung because I think he has a lot of – because he obviously has a lot of power for the position. But if you're going to tell me you know what Colton Wong's going to do this year, I, I mean, I'm I, like you need to go buy a lottery ticket. So uh, depth-wise, I, I, I mean, I don't – I don't like I hate to say this, but Drew Robinson to me is like Molly Ringwald in, in 16 <laughs> Candles, void. I love Jaro Munoz. I know that he gets on people's nerves sometimes because he makes silly errors, but um, he, dude can hit. 
Uh, I like Matt Wieters as Yachty's backup. I will say this. I think we like who he's supposed to be and, and who we think he was supposed to be. The reality of it is I don't know how much better he is than anybody else we've ever had back there because he seems to have been a guy that just never could put it together. Um, but, you know, you hope for the St. Louis Cardinals' sake that you don't even really need him except for once a, once a week, right? Yeah, once every 25 games or something like that, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, we will see. But again, I listen, I, I like the team. I, I love, like, I think we're all very hopeful of Jack Flaherty. I think his makeup, his stature, his physical size uh, tends to make you a little more warm and fuzzy than Luke Weaver did. Now, I know that everybody last year, on this day last year, everybody was saying the same things about Luke Weaver that we're all saying about Jack Flaherty right now. Okay, but I personally like Flaherty a ton more than Luke Weaver. Um, yeah, Michael Waka. I I think we know exactly what he is. Um, if you expect, like, I I think you're going to be like, I think if you say this is what Michael Waka is, I think you could go either way a little bit, and I think you you're you're going to be fine. The the guy that I th- find interesting in this whole thing that nobody really talks about, and I this is kind of the last cardinal one I'll get you before I have a question for you, is am I crazy in thinking that a lot of this season is going to ride on Miles Michaelis? Oh, man, that's a great question. Yeah, I think that the Cardinals are banking on it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I wonder how much more it's going to, like, this season's going to, like, bank on him as compared to last year. I know that starting off the year, because he is the guy, there's a little extra weight that comes there. But, uh, you know, that's a, man, that's a really good point. He, he takes on the de facto, uh, you know, number one ace role on the team. And anytime that you have to be that guy, uh, you take on the added pressure and the added responsibility. So uh, I, I couldn't argue against that statement. As, as long as Carlos Martinez is out and doesn't have a defined role, as long as we're waiting to find out exactly what a – full sophomore year of Jack Flaherty looks like that uh, a lot of this season and a lot of the, the early season expectations will fall under the shoulders of, of Mr. Miles Michaelis. Well, he seems to like, like if, if you, if you're into this sort of thing, his general attitude seems to stink of, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Okay. No, so the, I don't know if that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's it for me personally. I, I just think, I look back at last year, and obviously we fell short. But man, how good was he? I mean, he was so good, and yeah. and and Flaherty was really good. Um, there were like Waka was really good at times, right? So I'm sitting here going, man, any regression. And then you brought up Carlos Martinez, right? And yeah. see, he is the flip side of what I talked about at the beginning of this conversation. Whereas there are guys that get people out, and I can't figure out how they do it. Carlos Martinez is a guy that I can't figure out how people knock him around. Yeah. I mean, he like I sit there and watch him pitch sometimes and think, man, I can't, can't believe they're squaring him up like this. He has nasty stuff. And, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But for me, I don't mean to put it all on Miles Michaelis because at the end of the day, I mean, you got to score runs, you got to prevent runs, you got to do, you got to do that. It, there's something about having a guy that just goes out every day and does what he did last year. I mean, let's be frank, right? I, yeah. That's a like, how many guys in the league do that? And he did it, yeah. and was off like was awfully good, like wow, good, right? 
Yeah. So the way that the way that like as you as you bring it up now, it, it goes back to if you needed Lance Lynn to be, you know, that a couple of years back when Lance Lynn was a monster, you know, his ERA was below three, he was averaging almost a strikeout per inning. If you needed him to be the anchor of your rotation, could he have done it? And I, you know, I hadn't thought about it like that until now. But if if Miles Michaelis ends up being like the version he was last year, then the Cardinals will be fine. But if he regresses in a similar fashion as Lance Lynn did the prior, or the, you know, the the, pre, the year after that, uh, you know, where he was still a really good pitcher, but you know, not All Star level, uh, you know, like what happens then? So I I love what you're saying there. I think the point the point needed to be made that you need an anchor in your rotation and whether he be a, uh, a Cy Young candidate, which may or may not ever happen again, or whatever it ends up being, he needs to continue to be that anchor. And it's such a narrative that you hear on television all the time, but the 200 inning thing is a huge deal, especially for this, this team with, you know, maybe some long-term bullpen questions. So a, to your point, the, the point that you make it, to emphasize again, how important, uh, what we call Cy Michaelis in honor of, of Moe's algorithm, who's going to follow me here. Uh, Cy Michaelis is going to play a huge role uh, in regards to the success or failure of this team. And I'm not sending out like distress signals saying, be worried, be concerned. That's not, that's not my point here. The reality of it is, is that I, I love the guy. Like I'm, I was so impressed with last year, our good friend Moe's algorithm sang his praises the day they signed him. And does that make him the smartest guy in the room or the luckiest guy in the room? That I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to find out here in a minute uh, when I go to him. But the truth is, <laughs> but the truth really is that I'm like, it's great to like be excited about him. I, I think at the end of the day, what we're really doing here is we're just all kind of looking at it going, you know, um, do we truly have an ace uh, or do we have some guys that uh, can be aces? Now, that's a really big term because I think we place a lot of weight on what an ace is and what an ace isn't. That being said, um, you know, I think it's okay to get geeked up about the guy. Why wouldn't you? Like, it, yeah. like you, you can only take it at, 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 like, what have you done for me lately, right? So it's like, well, if, but, but here's the thing. What goes up must come down. So if your assumption is, that Dexter Fowler has to be better than he was last year. Well, then on on the same pitch, do you say, I mean, is it any like is it even conceivable that a guy that pitched in the majors got run out of baseball, had to go over to Japan, and now comes back and has an unbelievable season? Is it even realistic to think that he can be anywhere near as good this year as he was last year? No, oh, man. For our and sake, let's on, hope so, right? Yeah. Even on top of that, like again. Just to compare it to last year, Miles Michaelis goes from being what you hope is a wild card to being the anchor of your rotation. A dude. And yeah, to, you, you, I love that. You need him to be a dude. And just sticking in the rotation, comparing last year to this year, it's the same rotation except for now Dakota Hudson has replaced Carlos Martinez as we enter the season. And Jack Flaherty, you know, I guess Jack Flaherty wasn't technically in the rotation to start the year last year either. That was, you know, that was Luke Weaver. So I guess the sum of all our parts is a healthy Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson uh, as we enter the year from a perception standpoint, is that better than Carlos Martinez and Luke Weaver? You know, and again, perception is only, it doesn't even like matter, but it it goes to show you again, that like as excited as we, we are about this year, like let's take things into account. Let's remember where we are. We're still having this conversation. How long is Adam Wainwright going to last? 
is Michael Waka, is Michael Walker going to be healthy? How long is he going to be healthy for? Uh, and now Dakota Hudson kind of becomes the wild card here, where you're like, man, you know, I think Dakota Hudson's going to be good, just like you were with Miles Michaelis. I think he's going to be good, but what exactly is it going to look like? And now Michaelis and Flaherty are, are your your anchors in the rotation, and it's just it's really weird. And I would argue that there are just so many questions about this team that I'm anxious to watch get answered this year. And I think maybe this year as opposed to past years where I didn't necessarily know exactly what we were getting into. Like, I definitely don't know what we're getting into this year. I'm excited about the talent level, but I think that there are so many wild cards in action here that the talking points will be like long lasting for months. And that's, that's not even getting into like how guys who don't perform are subbed out. Just the very, very general roster construction, not even getting into the utility players, the bullpen, uh, just like the everyday lineup, the the major players on the Cardinals twenty five, just exactly how it's all going to play out. It's 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 a fascinating year when you think about it. Just entering year, a fascinating year. I'm excited about it. I like our chances this year. There's been times in the past where I've complained about the way the roster is set up. I this one is is you know when you start adding a dude, and I love that term dude when it comes to baseball. Yeah. Um, when you add a dude to the lineup, it changes things dramatically. I. I've talked about Tony LaRusso's ability to put dudes in his lineup every day and how working backwards after you fill your lineup with dudes makes it so much simpler. Well, Mike Schilt's job got a lot easier this year when he was able to say, every day I can pencil Matt Carpenter in at one and Paul Goldschmidt in it. Well, it looks like two, which I disagree with, but that's fine. I mean, we can that's – a, that's, a, that's a conversation for later on after it's played out for a few weeks. Um, before you go, i got to ask you one question. Have you seen this stuff that's come out about the Cubs and Madden? No, I haven't. Okay, evidently, they want all kinds of changes. Okay, he's he's not to spend so much time with the media. They're gonna like they're doing things complete. They want to do things completely different than the way they did them when he got there. Basically. Ooh. Ooh. So here's my question, everybody: When he went there and he did it that way, especially the, a lot of the local media. This is the way it's supposed to be done, and this is what's wrong with the Cardinals. And now, and they were the darlings, right? And they actually did win a World Series, so it was hard to argue that, right? But now, all of a sudden, coming off 90-something wins, now we're going to go a different route. So I, I, I don't – see, we have become a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. It's like yeah. – how could something that was right a few years ago all of a sudden now be completely wrong? I, I am so flabbergasted by this. I well, the, even, one of the th- just- you know one of the things they're going to do, and I this I can't stand this, and it's going to piss some people off, and I really don't care if it pisses oh, you great. off. You're part of that new generation, and I don't like it, and I really don't care if you like. They are going to announce their lineups to their players in ad- like days in advance. And they're going to play them yeah. no matter what happens because the That's anxiety different. of not knowing if you're playing is weighing on them. It's yeah, been I mean, that way I, for a hundred years, and yeah, all of a sudden now know. it's not good enough. I don't get it. I'm I'm not even going to comment on the whole anxiety, but, but whatever. But I I will say that announcing what your lineup is to your guys a couple days in advance, the, the amount of pigeonholing like pigeonholing that goes on is is just a bad play. What's funny to me about all this, right, is that. Now the Cardinals have a manager uh, who is loose and they're fun and they're playing around and the players are, I mean, this is more, the Cardinals are more like the Cubs were when Mr. Madden took over uh, than they've ever been. And 
now everything is, like you said, we're kind of prisoner of the moment. What have you done for us lately? The tables are turning. Uh, the, the Cardinals' serious atmosphere that may or may not have burned them in the last couple of years transferred itself over to the Cubs, and it looks like it may or may not burn them over this coming year. Uh, and the Cardinals are playing loose, and uh, people love playing for Schilt for that reason, except for Schilt isn't a you know, crazy guy. He's not absolutely nuts and drinking wine and press conferences and things like that. And, but it just goes to show you, again, that uh, uh, we, get, we get trapped in, our, in the moment sometimes uh, as, we, as we make expectations and, and grade things out, if you will. I, uh, I think that there's something to be said for having a loose clubhouse with rules uh, based on respect. I don't know exactly what the hell is going on with the Cubs. I just, the whole thing to me is just insane. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened to people policing the clubhouse and why all of a sudden that's wrong. I mean, that's been done for years and, you know, uh, players, I, I, I don't know. I just, whatever. I, listen, it is what it is. I, I, I don't have anything, like, I'm not in that clubhouse. They, you know, nobody gives a shit what I think. I just find it disheartening. I mean, I have a son that, that plays baseball and is, is knee-deep in it, and, and I hope that he has an opportunity to play in college and, and live the atmosphere. And I just, you know, and I think about the stuff that happened with Tom Izzo last week, and he's, you know, jumping a player, and all of a sudden it's all over national. You can't do that. You can't. I just I, – I am just blown away by this. I mean, I would give anything in the world for my son to go to college and play baseball for a demanding coach that is going to demand the best that he's got and demand him to give everything he's got and demand him to be a doer and not a follower and not a, not a hanger on her. I, I don't, I don't understand it and I never will. So. Yeah. I, I, again, I, to me, it's all about communication. I've been a, I'm 32 years old. I've been a foreman of a concrete crew now for, this is going on my fourth or fifth year of like four and a half years. And when I first started, I was young and I was somewhat, I was a yelling type. I was over aggressive. And, you know, I never got the best out of my employees. And it took me a while to figure it out exactly how to communicate to each of them. Uh, but you have to, like, communication has to be individualized. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes. Like, I get more out of my employees now. I get a better quality of, of product. And it's the same thing coaching Little League. Like, I used to be a screamer. I used to, you know, from ages 10 to 14, I, I used to get on to them. I get on them about stuff. And I, I used to get crazy. And I used to you know, throw my arms up and I get in their faces a little bit here and there. And that team and those players, even with the same like skill level about, we're never as good as this group of players that, that I am now where I've found ways to communicate to them. So I, I agree with you. There, there's a way to get the best out of your employees or your players in this particular instance. And I just don't necessarily know if it's like, that's the way to do it. Uh, I, I just think you need to know who, like you need to recruit for you. And that's like the Izzo, the Izzo circumstance. Recruit for you. If you've got kids that you can bring in that you think are going to respond to that, then then do that. And if those kids are responding to it, then do that. But, you know, I just think back when I was a kid, if my if my coach got in my face like that, I he would never get the best out of me. He would never get the best out of me. Uh, what I would do is I would work hard, as hard as I've ever worked, and then the minute that fucking that guy left, I'd be like, fuck him. I'm like, why does, why does someone who gets in my face deserve to be treated like that like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna respect a guy because he's jumping on me there's no way that's not how you get the best out of someone you communicate with them and you find the way to get the best out of them so i i agree look it, sometimes it's needed all that stuff but you've got to be smart about it and you've got to individualize and to tie that in with the cubs here real fast and the cubs and the cardinals what the cubs are doing is it goes to show you that like 
being reactionary is never, ever a positive. The Cubs are being reactionary to having their first taste of disdain with Joe Madden and how he runs things. And instead of like letting it play out and cutting it back little by little, they're getting aggressive and they're being overreactionary and not just trying to find like a common ground and figure out how to take little bits by little bits and adjust to their players and their coaches. Instead, they're getting reactionary. And I can promise you that they won't get 100% the best out of their coach or their players by neither catering to neither group or, you know, just again, being reactionary to the situation. You've got to be smarter than the reaction. Yeah, it, it kind of floors me that a guy like John Madden with his career, with his, let's face it, he doesn't need them. Um, uh, it's surprising me that he hasn't said, look, I, I, I'm going to do this my way. And if you, you hired me to do this, and if you're just going to tell me what to do, then bring somebody else in here. It, it, it's a little shocking to me. But you know what? Uh, you know, uh, things happen, I guess. So we shall see, my man. I mean, we're going to get a game. We're going to get some games going here. And next week, we're actually going to be able to discuss what we're seeing with our own eyes, although next week will be really early. But it will be a pre-opening day edition of Bowties and Bullshit next week. For all of our listeners that enjoyed this conversation, where can they learn more about you? Uh, you find me on Twitter at KYLER416. Uh, if you want to email me at the KYLER416 at Yahoo, uh, dot com. I've had a couple of people email me just some random thoughts and things like that. I appreciate that. Uh, you can find me at Birds on the Black. I write about prospects for Birds on the Black. Uh, we just finished up the 3035. Our prospect number one was Dakota Hudson. We had tremendous, tremendous viewership for that. I, it was amazing. Tremendous support. Uh, people were great. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I'll be getting aggressive here. The minor league season starts on April 4th for all of the full season affiliates, and then I'll be, uh, you know, neck deep and all of that stuff and uh real fast one thing i want to close on because as okay. we enter the season the best way to in my opinion it, to get excited about this coming season is to think about the past to think about the history of the st louis cardinals and nothing screams history like the story that i read on deadspin about lou brock and how big his dick is now if you get a little time you should go to deadspin but the rumor is lou brock had one of the largest penises in the history of sports and somebody tells the story of it and it'll make you proud to be a Cardinal fan, uh, a Cardinal fan that robbed the Cubs. So that's all I've got for you. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect you to go there. Um, I guess good for <laughs> Lou Brock and Mrs. Brock. Yeah. And um, <laughs> proud to be a Cardinal fan. Kyle, I will <laughs> chat with you next week, my friend. All right. We'll talk to you later, brother. That is Kyle Reese. He never disappoints. And, um, yeah, I didn't see that one coming, um, but it did uh, out of nowhere. Uh, well, uh, good stuff from Kyle Reese. Uh, I do enjoy our conversations with him. I do want to thank our friends at Adam Smokehouse as they always bring uh, uh, one of these experts to you each and every week on Bowties and Bullshit. Don't forget, located on Watson Road, had the opportunity to take in a complete, actual, like, buffet style uh, as they hosted the uh, Live from an Arena show for Blues NHL podcast last week. I had a great meal. Thanks to our friends at Adam Smokehouse, as I always do. I've never had a bad one, as I say. The ribs, the 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 pork, the the, the turkey, uh, even the sides, the pasta salad, and the beans and everything—it never disappoints, folks. I'm telling you, it's the best barbecue in St. Louis. Open till seven on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. They do deliver uh, to certain zip codes, which you can find out by by giving them a shout. And of course, they handle box lunches, like if you want to order for the whole group. And if you have catering needs, they're the place to go. I promise you, they will not disappoint. That's Adam Smokehouse, St. Louis. Here's your cue. Okay, time to bring in a new <laughs> a little cough there. Time to bring in a new voice, one that everybody is always interested to hear. 
uh, an opinion from, and that is my friend and yours, Mo's Algorithm. What do you say, Mo's? Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Hey, um, sorry, I, I know I'm late, and you can curse me or curse Kyle, but when you hear how he finished with his Lou Brock story, which I'm going to save it to let you hear on the listen back, I'll... I'll just salute. How about that? So, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and when you hear it, you'll get it. So, uh, what's going on? I uh, challenged uh, you guys to think about how you feel about this 25-man roster and the expectations in the upcoming season. I'll let you kind of take it from there. Well, uh, I, I like what they decided to do with the final roster. Uh, I'm glad guys like Tyler O'Neill made the roster, even though there's probably some overkill amongst outfielders on the roster. Uh, it is best to take your best players and <clears throat> they'll provide quality at bats off the bench. Um, I like the bullpen. Uh, the starting rotation's fine until Carlos comes back. I still wish they would have added a veteran starter, but we'll see how Hudson does in that role. Uh, I'm not sold on Adam Wainwright. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully that. Hopefully that investment doesn't cause um, strain on the pitching depth. Um, I think if everything goes right, this could be another 2015 season where they just win 100 games because everything went right. Uh, they have the young, they have the talent uh, up and down the lineup to do that if they avoid injuries uh, and setbacks. Uh, but if things that I'm concerned about go the wrong way. Uh, we're probably back in that 82 to 83 win season where everyone's frustrated about what's going on. Yeah. Of the, of all the things that went down, I know that when they were acquired Paul Goldschmidt, that you didn't like have a problem with Paul Goldschmidt per se. Your issue was, you know, are we going to have one year of this guy and are we putting a bandaid on a bigger problem? Do you feel, I haven't had the chance to ask you this, so I'll ask you on air. Do you feel better now that he's in the fold? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think he was signed at a, a reasonable amount, too. I don't think that's uh, uh, overly crazy for the amount he signed for. I think he gave the Cardinals somewhat of a discount, honestly, and I think the Cardinals took advantage. Uh, obviously, it'll be a situation when he's 35, 36, kind of like Holiday. You know, they're both great physical shape, but, you know, how is he going to hold up? You know, and that we'll worry about that down the road, kind of like Michaelis. I, I love that signing. I thought, the, I thought he gave the Cardinals a discount. And uh, I think the Cardinals took a bit of a chance, more of a chance on the Michaelis extension, obviously the Goldschmidt extension. But, you know, we know the Cardinals like signing their own guys. And we know that the Cardinals, you know, as much as they don't talk about it like Theo does, the Cardinals do care about character. So I think they, they extended some character guys as well. Yeah, you mentioned another name that I'm going to get to in a second um, for a variety of reasons, but I want to stay on Paul Goldschmidt for one minute. I want to say this about Paul Goldschmidt, and then I want your thoughts on it. I think he's such an important part of this team. I think there's two guys. I think Goldschmidt is obviously uh, – there's a lot – like this team is going to kind of go like as he goes, I think. I, I think we all know that Matt Carpenter, like it's hard to live with Matt when he was as bad as he was, and then you can, then you live with how good he can be. I mean, it's a tough thing when he's really struggling, and he does make the offense go, but the Paul Goldschmidt thing is going to be interesting to me because he does so many things so well. Um, but I got to say, the comparisons and, and my issue, and, and, and this is what I find interesting. When you start talking about signing guys to longer-term deals and how they make you all warm and fuzzy because you can write their name in the lineup, I will say this. 
you brought up the comparison to Matt Holiday and as he aged. I think the difference here is two things. And, and again, it's just an opinion. and I don't have any scientific data to back it up, but I think it's very logical. And that's this. Matt Holiday was never the hitter Paul Goldschmidt is, right? So if, if you get a natural regression from Paul Goldschmidt as he ages, I still think he's awfully good. That being said, nobody that we know of was the hitter that Albert Pujols was for 10 years, right? And look at that regression. The big thing for me here is injury. And I think we can all agree that Albert's decline started happening when his lower half really started failing him. If Paul sure. Goldschmidt, yeah. and, and is it luck? Is it is it style? Is it things we're unaware of? What is it? I don't know. But I, I guess in the end of the day, what you hope for is a little bit of luck with the injuries. Now, Paul Goldschmidt is a bigger dude than I think we all think he is. I mean, he is six foot three, two 225 pounds. This dude is a good-sized, put-together guy. Um, you know, I, I think that the injury thing, if we can avoid it, lends itself to this being a great deal. Now, I think with all players, if they get hurt, it sucks, right? So that's kind of, okay, yeah, you know, Captain Obvious. But I do want to say that about him. I think, as I mentioned with Kyle, the ability to write his name in the lineup every day makes a manager's job a whole lot easier. I mean, I've always said that when you have the ability to take guys that you can count on, put them in the lineup, and then work backwards and start filling in around it, it makes your job easier. Putting Paul Goldschmidt in the lineup every day makes this guy's job a lot easier, in my opinion. The guy you mentioned, though, that I have to ask you about, and I brought it up with Kyle, because it was you uh, that was banging the drum for the guy the day we signed him was Miles Michaelis. I just, I think he can handle the pressure. I, I just, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would be bothered by the pressure. But is it realistic, and, and I will trust you on this because I, I, Let's face it, you you called it from the beginning. Is it even possible for him to repeat his performance last year? I think it's possible, but I think it's fair to assume a little regression. I don't think this guy's going to fall off a cliff. You know, he's not going to prove to be a one-year wonder because he makes, you know, he has, he has really good pitching. Uh, but I think in the sense uh, of him falling off a cliff, I, I, I compare him to Kyle Loesch a lot. Kyle Loesch didn't fall off a cliff when he was with the Cardinals. You know, he just, they just moved on eventually. Uh, but I, I think that Miles Michaelis is, is the Kyle Loach. He's going to be that, that ace-like guy that you really just don't, you don't tab him as an ace, but man, he just, he puts up good season after good season. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I look at the guy and I say, what could derail Miles Michaelis? I mean, he was pretty healthy last year. Has he been a healthy guy his whole career? far as I'm aware it was always just a, a command type thing he couldn't he was either walking guys or giving up home runs yeah I I don't I, I I look at it and I say there's another guy he's a big dude you know yeah. does I mean does that matter I don't know I mean I'm a, I'm assuming when you when you what you do is with max effort when you're bigger it should help um you know that being said I look at that that cat and I say man I'm glad he's on our team. I look at, uh, you know, I look at Jack Flaherty and I say, I'm glad he's on our team. I mentioned earlier that my only issue there is I think, I don't know if we were saying the exact, like I said earlier, we were saying the same things about Jack, about Luke Weaver last year at this time that we were saying about Jack Flaherty. I don't know if we were saying the exact same things, but I think we were all believing that we had a young 
like a really young, good pitcher on our lineup. I personally was never a big Weaver fan, and I'm not saying that to say, see, I was right, because I still think Luke Weaver could figure it out. There was just something about him that I just – he looked like a 4A pitcher to me. Now, that doesn't make me a genius or doesn't make me right. Jack Flaherty, on the other hand, looks more like a dude to me. Um, Why can we expect Flaherty, in your opinion, to not have the same regression that Luke Weaver had? I think he has – significantly more options in his pitch repertoire. You know, I think Luke Weaver lacks that, that put out pitch a lot of times. I think Luke Weaver is a fine pitcher. Uh, I like Luke Weaver. I think he'll do fine for Arizona, but Jack Clarity's at another level. Um, I, I put him in the Chris Carpenter level because he has that attitude. Not only does he have the pitches and have the ability to get guys out, but he's also got that Chris Carpenter mentality on the mound. Um, something that, that is rare. He's got that Max Scherzer, Chris Carpenter type demeanor about him. Can I give you, um, can I challenge you to give me one player that you think will exceed expectation this, this year and one player that you think uh, will fall significantly short? Oh, boy. Um, I think, let's see. Where would we go with this? I, I, I think Dexter Fowler will exceed expectations because I think most people are expecting him to be as abysmal as he was last year. So I, I don't think I don't necessarily think we'll get 2017 Dex because he's getting older and the injuries do add up. Um, but I think he'll be serviceable, and I think he'll stay in the lineup, um, you know, despite Jose and Tyler also probably doing well. Uh, I think at the deadline they probably look to move one of those guys just to clear up some space and get somebody some more playing time. Um, one guy, you know, I'm all about odds, and the odds say that Yadier Molina is not going to keep going like this. Um, you know, uh, father time is undefeated, and eventually, I, I don't know if it'll be an injury so much as just when you're 37, you just, you know, there just aren't that many productive 37-year-olds in Major League Baseball anymore. And, you know, not to say that, you know, uh, he can't put together an average season that gets, you know, that, that is better than a lot of catchers. But there's a reason that the Cardinals signed Matt Wieters. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's because they doubt Yachty. I just think that they're also putting their money in a, in a, in a smart place, too, in terms of saying, you know, Father Time's undefeated. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't be unprepared and, and not have a guy that we can trust in there for two to three months in case something does happen. All right, so uh, I got to ask you, um, have you seen this stuff about the Cubs, about how basically they're going to not let Joe Madden be Joe Madden? Have you seen this? No, I've not. What's going on? They basically are, you know, he's not going to be a lot. They, they want him to not spend as much time dealing with the media. They want him to release, you know, they, he want, they want him to communicate with the players like, like before each series, who's going to play and when they're going to play to take some of the anxiety out of not knowing your, your place and just a lot of weird stuff. Um, I, I, I just – I am shocked that John Madden didn't tell him to go to hell. Uh, I, you hired me to do this. It was good enough to break a 108-year curse. It was good enough to win 90-something games last year, and all of a sudden we got problems. I, I'm sh- kind of shocked by this, and – and I also just love the whole. I, I want to get the. I want to get the take from all the fans that told us how forever the way the Cubs were doing it and the way Joe Madden was doing it was the right way to do it and the way we were doing it was wrong. And now all of a sudden, 
it's a complete flip flop. I I just I love. I guess what I'm really doing here is getting in a, a situation right or wrong of. I just can't stand when people want to jump on the here and now and say this is the way you have to do it, and it's we're not doing it that way and we're wrong and it just drives me crazy that when stuff like this happens, I just sit here and shake my head and go, I think we're all nuts, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I think that they're headed towards a divorce. You know, relationships deteriorate over time, and I think that they had success early in his tenure in Chicago, so that probably helped any sort of tension or or animosity towards each other. But I just don't don't believe that you, if you're the front office for the Cubs, you let Joe Madden go into a lame duck season without without underlying issues, you know. So uh, we know that Theo's not going to stick around forever. That's just he's just not going to. He's going to want to try something else somewhere else. Hopefully, he can try Pittsburgh or Kansas City next time and see if his his model works. Because I would love to see him uh, succeed somewhere where he doesn't have a blank checkbook. Um, and I, I don't think Madden will be around next year. I just this team seems to be headed south really fast in the sense that, and not necessarily talent-wise, because I think they have talent, but a lot of off-the-field stuff. And just, you know, you have Chris Bryant with his contract situation, and he has animosity towards the Cubs for what they did to his service time manipulation. You got Addison Russell and his situation. Uh, you got some guys that are getting older on that team. I just, I see a scenario, and, and a lot of the uh, projections bear it out, where the Cubs just aren't very good this year. And, you know, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, they have the talent to be good. But you have to wonder what the, uh, what the between the ears does to, uh, to that team. Well, you know, they still won, you know, they still won 90-something games last year. Uh, they did it with a, you know, half of a Chris Bryant, to be quite frank. They did it with a couple of bad signings, to be quite honest. Um, you know, you still got to knock them off the block, in my opinion. I just think I, I just find the whole thing comical at, at best, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. But um, so I guess I'll leave you with this: Have the Cardinals done enough to get back in the playoffs? Man, it, that is a loaded question because the NL Central is so tough. Um, you know, I think the NL East is pretty tough. I think the NL West is pretty bad. So you can, I mean. It, yeah, I'll say they, they've they done enough uh, to compete and and probably get a wild card. I, I picked them to win the division by like a game or two over the Cubs. I don't – that's probably just my uh, me being a homer. Um, but I, if things go right, this team could be really, really good. But, you know, we said the same thing about the Nationals for a couple of years. Like last year they didn't even make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think – I think the Cardinals and Nationals return to prominence and win their divisions this year. Uh, I think that the Rockies probably stay in the wild card race with the Cubs and Brewers, and the Dodgers win the West. I think that's that's about what you got going on the NL, in my opinion. All right, my friend, tell our listeners where they can follow you. Uh, on Facebook at Mo's Algorithm and on Twitter at M O Z underscore Algorithm. Well, I appreciate you. I look forward to talking to you next week when we can really look at, uh, at the Cardinals in action and prepare ourselves for opening day. Take care, my friend. You too, Jim. Great stuff, as always, from Mo's Algorithm. And one more time, I want to thank Adam Smokehouse as they, uh, they bring one of our experts to us each and every week. Don't forget, located on Watson Road, open till 7 on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. 
happy to have them uh, delivering to certain area codes and zip codes as those people are very lucky. Uh, when you order the box lunches and you take them back to work for everybody or conferences or meetings or whatever, a lot of smiles on those people's faces. If you have catering, I've said it before, I play in a lot of golf tournaments. It'd be so nice to make the turn and see Adam Smokehouse truck pulling up. Uh, make sure you give them an opportunity. There's a lot of good barbecue in St. Louis, folks. You won't be disappointed. Adam Smokehouse, St. Louis, here's your cue. All right, time to bring in uh, the third of my experts. And I, this is a guy that definitely loves to be called an expert. No, I'm just kidding. He's uh, just a great guy, very humble. Love his opinion, love his takes. I do want to thank the Gators Baseball Academy with their four-pillar system and their, their willingness to put great people in front of your kids, uh, whether it's your, your, your son or daughter, as they try to improve in this game of baseball or softball. They have an idea um, of what it really takes to not only make good players but good people. And that's why I'm happy to be associated with Gators Baseball Academy. Also, uh, while located in Missouri, also located in Illinois, and then they have the academy for all their prep players. Make sure you check them out. Their academies, their hit labs, their, their clinics, all great stuff. They also offer some stuff in the summer. Um, if you want to get your kid out of the house, check them out. I know that you'll enjoy it. That's GatorsBaseballAcademy.com. Let's welcome in my friend and yours, Brendan Schaefer. What do you say BS? And I say BS affectionately as at the end of the day, we're going to bullshit a little bit here. Yeah, my man, what's going on? Well, um, got to ask you, uh, the roster is set currently. Um, I think we all know that uh, there's a couple guys on the DL that you would have to imagine if healthy or on this roster. But, you know, for the moment, we have a 25-man roster. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you think it played out. And as we head to Milwaukee tomorrow, um, your thoughts as we open up this season for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, yeah, I think um, interesting going back to our, our conversation last week that it looks like the Cardinals are going to end up with uh, kind of a slimmer bullpen than we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, usually they're, they've been intent on having that eighth man um, at times in the Matheny era, it was a guy that really didn't get used, kind of the, the under glass in case of emergency pitcher. And uh, they've got an extra bench guy now, and I think that's going to give them some good flexibility and, and hopefully will allow Mike Schultz to be aggressive with the guys that he has on his bench because I think you can, can see uh, a lot of versatility and, and guys that can fit into a lot of different late-game situations. So. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see what, what, what are the patterns that emerge related to that bench. Um, are there certain players that, that are in the everyday lineup that you might be, uh, that might be in consideration for defensive replacements when we get into the eighth and ninth inning? Like Jose Martinez is, is on the outside looking in right now. He's not a guy that's necessarily going to start right off the bat, but uh, certainly when he's in games, you could see him, him brought out for a defensive replacement late in games. So, um, interesting. I, I like the roster construction. I like that for the most part we feel that they they went ahead and, and put the best players um, that, that can help them the most on this roster. You know, um, part of that was kind of by default when you have Cecil and Gregerson, two guys that were question marks. Um, you know, throughout the spring, we never really saw Gregerson, and Cecil certainly did not perform well. Um, and so, if, if there's an injury behind that, then that's perfectly fine and and this allows the cardinals to, to have two pitchers out of their bullpen that i think they can have more confidence in um so I, i'm i'm excited to get the season going i think it's going to be great i just got here uh, to milwaukee this morning um it's cold but uh, fortunately uh, miller park has a roof so ready to rock and roll starting tomorrow yeah you know we talked about that last week i look at it now um 
you know, my my thing with them was with playing so many games in a row to start the season. I guess it makes it a little easier for them knowing that, you know, they have players on the roster that have options. So if they find themselves getting into a situation where they burned up their bullpen pretty quick, you could, you would envision a Drew Robinson or, a, or unfortunately, a Jairo Munoz or even a Tyler O'Neill um, going down to make way for an arm till they can get themselves right. Uh, you know, and let's face it, it always seems like at the beginning of the year, somebody in that bullpen tends to, you know, come up a little lame if they struggle that first week or two, um, whether that's a real injury or not and remains to be seen. Um, you know, I got to ask you, um, I asked Mose this question, and it's a loaded question. So I'm going to start off by asking you this because I think this will tell us a lot about where you're at too and in, in, in the Cardinals' success or failure this year. I'm going to challenge you to pick a guy that you think will uh, exceed expectations and a guy that you think will fall short of expectations. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, a guy that will exceed expectations, I think, and again, it's kind of, we, we've talked about this kind of stuff before this offseason. It's relative to, to you kind of having to determine what the general public expects out of a given player. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my guy. He's kind of been my guy for years now in Colton Wong. I don't think he's got quite the expectation level um, among the fan base at large of, you know, could be a legitimate star at this point, could be an all-star player if he gets off to the right start this year. And that's really where I think uh, the, the opportunity lies for him right at this moment going into 2019. Um, go, go pull up baseball reference. Go look, sort his stats by the last four months of the season if you want. I mean, we're talking two-thirds of a, of a year. He had really good numbers last year, and we know what he can do defensively. Um, the, the end of the season stats for Juan last year didn't really show show it because of the, the, the horrendous start that he got off to. But when you look at what he did offensively in 2017 and what he did defensively in 2018, I think if he combines those two things and, and maybe could even exceed the offensive output that he compiled in 2017, where he had a pretty high on-base percentage, not too much in the slugging department, but I think he could be a guy – you know, knocking on the door of an 800 OPS, being that 780, 790 range, uh, give you a gold glove defense. So I think he's going to exceed expectations relative to, okay, his batting position is probably toward the bottom seventh, maybe even eighth when they, they face a tough lefty. Um, and so I think Colton Wong, you know, I, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be wrong on a guy, Colton Wong's a guy I'll be happy to be wrong on because I think this could be the year um, that the stat sheets actually show he puts it all together in both ways. And, and, Again, the all-star thing, you got to get off to a hot start in the first half. You can't really be a second-half guy and be an all-star. Uh, but if he can continue what he did at the end of last season, I think that's definitely in the cards for him um, as a distinct possibility. Um, I'm Also, I can give you another name that I think Adam Wainwright's going to exceed some expectations because I don't think people have very high expectations for him. Um, you know, he's, he's slated to be the fifth starter going into the season, which I thought was interesting. I wondered in the back of my head, does Mike Schultz give him the nod um, you know, line him up for the the home opener, regardless of you know where that would slot him in the the, the rotation for the first week. Would that be something they would consider? Um, and and whether that should or shouldn't happen, it, it looks like Jack Flaherty is going to get that start. I think it's just telling that Mike Schilt, you know, in his opinion, probably Wainwright is the, the the fifth most competitive in that rotation right now because he's got maybe the other guys slotted ahead of him. I think Wainwright, if he's healthy, and that's always been the question for the last few years. 
But if he gives the Cardinals, you know, upper 20s, close to 30 starts this year, I think he's going to – he's not going to be Wainwright of old, but I think he's going to surprise some people that just are basically considering anything they get from Wainwright a bonus at this point. Um, I I sure hope he stays healthy. It could be a a fun year if if we see Wainwright um, out there producing six-inning, seven-inning starts on a regular basis for the Cardinals. Um, Guy that could fall short of expectations, again, I'm going to base expectations in this case off of – what we expect him to, to be in the in the lineup where where he's slated to um, produce for for this team, Paul DeYoung scares me a little bit. Batting third, um, there's been a lot of debate over whether Goldschmidt should bat second or third in the Cardinals lineup. A lot of people feel you know you've needed this number three hitter for years. You go out and get him and you bat him second. What kind of sense does that make? Um, the other side of that argument is the sabermetric uh, you know analytic lineup would say bat your best guy second. Um, I, from my, where I sit, I can see both sides. But if Goldschmidt is going to bat second, I do think it's important to have somebody uh, bat third that that can 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 handle the handle the role. And I'm not saying DeYoung cannot do that. We've seen him in it last year. I just and we talked about this in spring training in one of the podcasts. I wanted to see DeYoung maybe a little bit lower in the lineup, take a little of the pressure off of him, and then when he does produce that 20 to 25 home run season. Um, you know, it, it, it sits where he's batting in the lineup. And you can say that's really a strength. But, you know, the Cardinals, if Jose Martinez is not in your starting lineup, maybe don't have a better option for that number three hole. So I, I'm a little worried just because of really how much is placed on the young shoulders. Um, I don't know that it's going to be possible to live up to those expectations. But, again, if Carpenter gets off to a solid start, if Goldschmidt is Goldschmidt, if Ozuna proves to be healthy and has a little bit, more of a power stroke than he did last year with the ailing shoulder. Um, you're going to see some of the pressure naturally taken off of the young. I just don't know about that spot in the order. So I'm a little bit wary of that. Um, and, and I think people are understanding, you know, what faces Harrison Bader this season, a guy who, um, you know, struck out a lot last year. We know he plays great defense. He managed to, to kind of fill the stat sheets with some home runs, you know, get his stolen bases. But um, the on-base percentage for Bader, I think, is something to definitely watch. I'd like him to to, to raise it above what he did last year, but even if he can replicate last year at the plate, um, I, that's a league average to slightly above. I'd absolutely take that given what he can bring in center field, um, but that's, that's not necessarily an easy ask. We saw a sophomore slump last year with the young um, after a really good rookie season. I'm wondering if Bader is going to, you know, just how he's going to respond um, in, in a similar situation this year. Yeah, I always wonder, you know, you look at guys, you brought up Colton Wong earlier. I've said earlier on the show that my thing with Colton Wong is I, I, I would love to have a conversation with anybody that would try to tell me this is what Colton Wong's going to do or this is what he's going to be. I, I still think he is that guy that none of us are sure who the hell he is, right? I, I think we all get enamored with a guy when he has a really good skill set. You know, Harrison Bader's the same way for me. When you watch a guy play great defense and hustle – and work hard, and be a little charismatic, and have a little flair. I think that we like that as fans, right? I, so I think what happens is we in, instinctively wind up pulling for those guys. We also, I think, maybe put expectations on them that maybe aren't realistic, or, or I'm not even going to deserved isn't the word to use. But I, I will say that I agree with you. I I have wanted to love Colton Wong since the day he got here. I want to love uh, a Harrison Bader. I want to love Paul DeYoung. I need to see it, right? 
I need to see some consistency. But listen, that is a common thread with almost every young player. Not every player is Mike Trout. Not every player is Albert Pujols and has hit and played since the day they got here. It is more common to have guys like a Colton Wong that goes through a lot of ups and downs until they figure out, or not figure it out, but until they find consistency in their game. Um, that being said, you know, all I care about is the St. Louis Cardinals making the playoffs. So in the end, my question for you will finish today with this. Have they done enough to get back in the playoffs? I think the Cardinals are going to end up with a wild card. Um, if I if I had to say which one, I would lean toward the second one just because I think the Central is going to be a really tough division. But don't overlook the East either because I, I see three teams. I know people overrate the Nationals every year. I know they just lost Bryce Harper. But I look at the Nationals and what they did with their pitching rotation. I really like it. I really like the young outfield they still have, even without Harper. Uh, they, I think they underachieved last year. They've underachieved in the past, still haven't won a playoff series. So, you know, it, it's kind of perennially obnoxious to predict good things for the Nationals after we've been fooled a few times by them. Um, wouldn't it be I, weird? I, wouldn't it be weird if they put it together the year that Harper leaves? Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, but but I, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible either. But they're going to need a healthy Strasburg, and they're going to need Scherzer to continue being Scherzer and everything like that. But like, that's just kind of my way of framing this. It's going to be if the Cardinals don't win the division, which they very well may do that. They may win the division. Right now, I've got. I think I've got the Cubs kind of putting it together after a little bit of a lackluster season, which in which they nearly did win the Central last year. I think we forget how talented the Cubs really are. I've got them. I think the Brewers, there's no reason to expect them to take a huge step back unless the injuries in their bullpen, you know, kind of take shape and maybe they don't get a Craig Kimbrell. We'll see how that plays out. But they've got a heck of a lineup, really, really good lineup in Milwaukee. Um, and, and, and so for the Cardinals to make the playoffs, I think they've got to beat Milwaukee uh, because I don't think the Central is going to get two wildcard teams. I think that's going to be really tough because I like where the Braves are after winning the East last year. And I think the Phillies are, are they did all, I mean, they did a ton. Everybody in baseball saw what the Phillies did this off season. And so they're going to be gunning for it. They're going to be going for it. And if the back half of that rotation shows me a little bit more than they have in the last year or two, um, with the pieces they've added, they're going to be really dangerous. And so I, I think I've got the Cardinals right around 91 wins and a wild card spot as of now. But, you know, they're going to need to do everything in their power to, to win that division because um, the, the wild card is not going to be a guarantee given the, 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 the powers in the East. And, and it seems like every year the West produces a team that maybe we're not expecting. Maybe this year it's the Padres. I don't quite buy into their pitching just yet unless the young guys really take the lead by storm. Uh, but the, the National League is tough, man. They don't have three teams, four teams like the American League does that is just tanking. The, the Tigers are going to be bad. The Royals are going to be terrible. The, the Orioles are going to be terrible. The Marlins are really that one team, and maybe you could argue the D-backs are going to struggle. But I just, I don't think there are going to be as many wins to come by in, in these National League games. There's, there's some good competition in the league. Um, so I've got the Cardinals. I think Goldschmidt is a, a huge move. Um, they've, they knock on wood. They've got to keep relatively health, healthy. That's the same thing we say every year. But yeah, I've got the Cardinals about 91 wins, give or take, and a wild card spot. 
Well, uh, I'm sure fans are hoping you're right. And let's face it, you're right a lot, so that's good stuff. My friend, tell our – obviously, you're in Milwaukee. You're going to be doing some coverage and, and putting some stuff out. Tell our friends where they can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely recommend, first and foremost, downloading the Baseball STL app. It's free on your app stores, whatever you use. Um, and it'll give you live updates during the game. You'll be able to catch all the stories. You know, we'll push them out to your uh, to your phone if you want that. And so uh, you'll catch all my stories for KMOV there. Um, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at bshaper12. Going to hopefully be wrapping up. Um, in addition to my Game of Thrones view, I'm going to be wrapping up my uh, Cardinals bracket. I, I did the TR, uh, TLR era forward. Um, just your favorite Cardinal, and I think we've reached the Sweet 16 now. So. The next couple of days, we'll be getting down to the end there, and we'll see who takes that home. So, yeah, follow me on Twitter at bshafer12. Good stuff. Uh, how far into Game of Thrones are you? So I just watched the Red Wedding episode oh, like boy. yesterday. What a boy. And uh, if you check out – I have a thread going on Twitter. If you check out my my tweets, uh, I, I blurred out some of the profanity that I was using. Um, but, uh, yes, that was uh, that was something. And um, my tweets reflected my, my emotional state at that time. So, yep, going to hopefully be able to finish the, finish Game of Thrones before the new season. But it's going to be going to be a crunch for sure. We'll see. We'll see how far I get. Woof. That's all I can say is woof. Yep. Okay. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, looking forward to seeing what you uh, what you have for us uh, throughout the season. And next week when we chat, uh, it'll be back to talking about games at hand. So good stuff as always from you, my friend. I look forward to our conversations this upcoming season. Good luck. Bring home some winners, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jim. Talk to you next week. That is Brendan Schaefer. Uh, appreciate him and his uh, contributions here to bow ties and bullshit. Where analytics meet the eye test. I want to thank all my panel of experts today. Uh, one more time, I want to thank the, the people that make the show possible. Of course, we always come to you from the Patio Studios, the original party place for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. Fans everywhere, make sure you check out Patio's. I'll see you there on opening day. Don't forget, uh, Randy Green's ready to help you out, take care of anything that you need. Uh, the construction team, heating and cooling team, and the electric team are rocking and ready to go. Uh, a man of his word, if he shakes your hand and looks you in the eye, it's going to get done, folks. That's my man and yours, Randy Green with InnovativeCompanies.com. Uh, hope to uh, hope to invite uh, everyone out to uh, opening day to, to meet my good friend Benji Moline. I'll be back with him tomorrow to, to have our opening day show. Uh, the people that make that always go, GatorsBaseballAcademy.com, their four-pillar system uh, that includes putting the best people in front of your son or daughter when it comes to this great game of baseball or softball. Make sure you give them an opportunity to, to help you. Uh, located in Missouri, but also now in Illinois, and the Gators Baseball Academy for the prep as well. That's GatorsBaseballAcademy.com. Ready for some barbecue? I know, you know, we're counting down the days till Benji gets back in town. He, you know, he and Polo both are good friends that he does this stuff with. It's straight up, it's how fast can we get to Adam's Smokehouse? Located on Watson Road, open till 7 on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Don't forget about the box lunches that they offer if, uh, if you want to get it for the setting of your office or conferences or meetings or whatever, or just if you want to buy lunch for the whole office. And, of course, uh, the catering uh, is, is second to none. It's the best barbecue in St. Louis, folks. St. Louis, here's your cue. Guys, I tell you, I'm looking forward to the season. I hope you are as well. I'm looking forward to all the content, too, from all the people and all the Facebook groups. Uh, you guys can learn more about us at twobirdsonabat.com. When you find that, uh, you can subscribe to our show through there, which is free. Uh, we'd love to have you guys do that. Uh, also, find us on Twitter, at STL 
Uh, I'm sorry, at Birds on a Bat Show. Wrong show. At Birds on a Bat Show, that's us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. If you're a Cardinal fan, we're going to follow you back. At Two Birds, or I'm sorry, just Two Birds on a Bat. When you go to Facebook, type that in the search bar. You guys can uh, like our page, click invite your friends. Uh, we'd love for you guys to comment, share, and uh, like our pinned post, which is always the show. Uh, that just helps us reach more people and, and get more Cardinal fans involved. Of course, Instagram, Two Birds on a Bat Show as well. One last time, I'd like to thank our friends at lineupmedia.fm, home of the newest streaming platform, Yo Radio, for their contributions to our opening day contest. Congratulations one more time to Jack Russell with his uh, Twitter handle, at MojoKiss, who will be joining us on opening day. Look forward to, uh, to having a cocktail with Jack Russell. Um, to our Facebook groups that, that, that help us go, uh, guys, with the season upon us, the, the conversations are going to get interesting on there. Let's keep them civil. Uh, Chris Lawless, thank you for your support from the beginning, my friend. His Cardinals Nation and Cardinals 24-7 group uh, started promoting us from the beginning, and it'll never be forgotten. He's a great man. I, I appreciate him, and I love his love for Cardinal baseball. Please check out what he's doing at all times. Uh, Ron, uh, uh, Crash, I, I tell you, I'm excited about the stuff we have with Cards on Deck coming up. Looking forward to it. Love what they do. They've got some great content over there as well. Uh, please don't forget Nate McHenry at RallySquirrel.com, the original, uh, the original page for us when it comes to, to, to being a part of something strong. That's uh, RallySquirrel.com, the great Facebook page, 100,000 strong. Get in there and make some great comments and, and get involved in the action. Don't forget Linda and Vicky with their two great pages as well. I am a Cardinal fan. Yes, I am. Friends of Yadier Molina, obviously one of our favorites. I love St. Louis Cardinals crew, STL Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals Nation, Cardinal Freak, all the great ones. Uh, guys, Enjoy yourselves. Let's celebrate some Cardinal baseball. We're going to get after it tomorrow. For all of us here at Two Birds on a Bat and Bowties and Bullshit, let's go birds! This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.